Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another DraftSite.com podcast. I am DJ Boyer, as always, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Buddy Andrade. Hello, buddy. Hey, how we doing, DJ? Uh, it's beautiful. We're on vacation, sampling some Carolina barbecue, some good vinegar. It's how we do it. Uh, but no vacation uh, whatsoever for uh, draft time. I think we're at uh, 42 days and counting. And, boy, there has been a lot of movement since we last talked, and we're going to jump right into it. Just uh, uh, Can you imagine? This seems to be one of the more, I'd say, active – free agency periods and just as in terms of uh, volume itself and with a couple surprise moves, what's your, what's your take kind of uh, thus far and what we've seen in the, the free agent slash uh, pickups, cutting people, how have things looked to you thus far, buddy? Uh, It's been good. The mixture of the free agents and some of the franchise playing players and uh, the trades, just a good combination of the three to uh, make it a very interesting uh, off-season so far. Now, and again, uh, probably with our next podcast, we'll be talking a little more about the next version of the mock, which we are up to version 20.0. Uh, 21.0 is being worked on as we speak, uh, factoring in a few of these moves that we've seen over the last few days. But we're kind of going to concentrate on some of the moves itself, maybe some some of the big needs for some of the teams out there. Buddy's handling the AFC. I will handle the NFC. But we're going to start right away. What is to you who, if you had to give an overall kind of champion right now to this free agency period, who, maybe a couple, who to you are, are winners right now, whether it be a player or a team, who do you see coming out on, on top or kind of championing this process at this point, buddy? At this point in time, I, I do like what the Packers did with their defense, and that's going out and getting two edge guys because the combination of Perry and Matthews just wasn't getting it done anymore. So to get Smith and Zedarius uh, uh, worked out very well for them, and they got some youth there at the edge uh, to compete in the NFC North. Yeah, I don't know if I'm as much a fan as far as the Billy Turner matchup. And I, and I think that, you know, they do have some youth there. It's a little bit of a reach when you really look at the financial impl- implications. Here, well, we'll get that out there on paper. But at the same time, that's kind of what the going rate is. And, and we've seen flashes from players like Zedarius Smith and Preston Williams. But uh, is it going to pan out in the long run? I think it's areas of need. If anything, we can agree that that is probably the biggest area of need Besides that, I would say the secondary, and they did address that. I think the Adrian Amos uh, signing is is wonderful, maybe the best signing overall. But the fact that when you address the needs, oh, the, we had talked about in the mock drafts that both of their first-round picks might have been defensive ends. Now they can concentrate, I believe, on uh, some of the, I would say, depth in the secondary and maybe getting a playmaking tight end. Yep, I totally agree with you there, and it just – just to me, did it say something about some of these guys at the combine after seeing the tape too? That maybe they weren't impressed with a Burns or a Polite, 
who uh, really sounds like he talked himself out of a good draft spot. Yeah, and and if I have to say a winner, and it it's it's kind of interesting. You guys, guys got to hear me out on this, but maybe the Oakland Raiders. And Oakland was just so quick to be criticized, and I was one of them with uh, letting Khalil Mack go, kind of building for the future in the three first-rounders. When you really think about it, they let Amari Cooper walk as well. The Antonio Brown signing, it looks like he gets everything he wants. As a player or, or even someone who covers the league like we do, you're not really supposed to applaud this move because it, it looks more like a, a diva move. The, the, you know, the team caved. He got everything that he wanted and more. But from a Raiders standpoint, to only give up, what, a third and a fifth round pick, it's just amazing. Essentially, this winds up being that they got draft picks for Mac, who they probably weren't going to afford anyway in the long run going into this season, and you wind up trading Amari Cooper essentially for Antonio Brown and getting a first-rounder back. When you look at it in the big picture and tie it all together, Oh, wow. Oakland's got a chance to really, really improve themselves, but they got to hit a home run on this draft. If they don't hit a home run here, buddy, I think it's all for naught. No, I agree with you. And to have four, 24, and uh, 27, I mean, you can really target areas, um, especially since, you know, it's a defense heavy draft, and that's, they've done a lot of work on the offensive side of the ball outside of LaMarcus Joyner getting Tyra Williams and Antonio Brown and uh, for, for, for Derek Carr. So yeah, they can, they can target all three areas on defense probably with their draft picks and really strengthen the team as a whole. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring up Tyra Williams as well, because so many people are going to say, Oh, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown. You need a compliment guy there. And uh, it was apparent that Oakland didn't have, anyone there at the, really at the time. And in Tyrell Williams, he's still got a guy who I don't think we're, no one's going to say that he's top flight, A-level guy out there. But as a number two, a lot of size, guy, he's, he's definitely going to open up the middle of the field. He's, he's someone that has to be reckoned with. You can't let him alone or he's going to torch you. So I think getting a, a player like that in there, I still think they want to get a little younger at the tight end position and maybe get a playmaker there. But uh, overall, I think this opens it up really for them to me, I think it opens up the chance to get a a running back that I think can be a workhorse. Uh, you kind of look back at the Gruden teams in the past. There's always kind of been that workhorse grinding type of running back or even uh, two back by committee as he had there for a while uh, in Tampa as well. But I think this kind of opens up the fact that Oakland might be taking a running back earlier on in the draft as well, and it's really going to be an offensive overhaul. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, I thought they were going to end up being in on Tevin Coleman. Just, I was surprised, especially at the price that he went, that they were not in on him with the money that they have available. Yeah, I think a player like Tevin Coleman, it, it, I believe that came to two years, $10 million. That That does seem to be a bargain uh, with some of the com, uh, contracts that we've seen. I uh, want to get your initial reaction as well. Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. How does this sit with you? If you're a Jet fan, are you excited at this point? I'm sure the Jets fans are excited. Um, they also brought in Matt Forte a few years ago. I'm not saying he's Matt Forte or vice versa, but they were very excited about that to have a guy who could carry the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield. 
uh, to bring into New York. Um, just something that Albert Breer said today on Boston uh, Sports Radio is that he actually had very minimal market, and his agent was calling teams saying, can you just say you're out on him, that you've been priced out on him? And there were a few teams who did him that solid. Uh, so the Jets were kind of bidding against themselves. Oh, very interesting. Uh, very interesting input there. And, and again, the Jets are a team that can afford to overpay a little bit. But when you look at it overall, Le'Veon Bell, I don't really think he's able to financially, quote, recoup what he had missed last year. Maybe there, there's some more guaranteed money there, yes. But annually, was it really what he's looking for? If, if you're Le'Veon Bell, do you look back at this and say, I handled this the right way? Or, or do you say, oh, boy, there, there's, if I had to do it all over again, I would change it, and this is why. Uh, when, when he has that moment of reflection, what do you think Le'Veon Bell's going to think? Uh, I'll let him say it worked out. Inside, he knows it failed. He lost money out of this. He had, would have had $17 million guaranteed last year with his franchise tender. So he, he, exactly. he lost in the long run. You know, there's some things that we say here and there that, that we'll disagree on here, here and there and some things we agree on. Buddy, I think that you that is probably the one thing you've probably said that I could not agree anymore with. It's like you took the words right from my mouth. I could not agree with you anymore on that. I think long-term, this is a fail. In the short-term, especially with the amount of money he was able to get up front, I think you see this as a win. But in the long-term, I, I totally agree. I don't think sacrificing basically a year. I mean, maybe the only thing you can say is, He's a guy that's really been beat up in the past. It's not like he's been without injury. Maybe a year away uh, helps him in the long run, but we've seen a lot of people who take some time off and they're not used to the rigors and they end up getting hurt. So um, I I don't know. Jury's still out on this one. I I think in the long run, I'm with you. I don't think this really worked out to uh, his advantage. And I'm curious what size he comes in at, too. Because there's yeah, rumors that he's gained some of the Michigan State weight back. Yeah, uh, Michigan State weight and then some. It, it sounds like uh, if some of the reports we're hearing are correct, it looks like that his first endorsement will be for Michelin because, uh, I mean, we've, we've heard reports as high as 260. So, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. But uh, if I had to make an assessment real quick on the AFC side of the ball, I think the biggest – quote, loser, or I wouldn't say loser, but maybe just the most question mark, to me would be Baltimore. You had the unquestioned leader of the defense. I think uh, Terrell Suggs wanted to retire as a Raven. Guy's been in the the league 16 years. Can't come to uh, an agreement there. He winds up going to Arizona. You lose Joe Flacco now. I mean, you always kind of had that security blanket in in your back pocket. You knew it was going to be Lamar Jackson, but you had a Super Bowl-winning quarterback that was there. You lose C.J. Mosley. Uh, Eric Weddle's gone. It just looks like there's sometimes it's addition by subtraction, but here there's just a lot of uh, holes here. And really, I think we can really say the only significant uh, addition per se might, might be Mark Ingram. Um, there's been uh, oh, uh, they did sign someone else as well. It's uh, escaping me, but I, I would say in the long run, I Earl Thomas question. Yes. Thank you. The Earl Thomas, which will obviously we're being replaced uh, Eric Weddle. But I think there's more questions than answers if you look quickly at the Baltimore situation. Yeah, no, leadership. I mean, between Suggs and Mosley, 
You lose the Darius, who's, you know, the backup to Suggs or can play the opposite side of Suggs. Um, you're Eric Weddle, but uh, replacing him with Earl Thomas really isn't that bad. And they keep that thing of always just having solid safety play. I mean, starting with Rod Woodson working its way to current day with Earl Thomas. Uh, in that franchise, you can always count on them having a good safety. True that. True that. Now, also, when I, of course, the big news, maybe the biggest shock would have been the uh, Odell Beckham trade and the fact that now you have Odell Beckham heading to Cleveland with a former college teammate, Jarvis Landry. Uh, boy, things really seem to be lining up. Has Cleveland, in the span of one year, went from when are they going to get their first win to when does Baker deliver a playoff win, and is this team really an AFC contender? I think they are, and I think the biggest addition was Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson along that defensive line. And yeah, Sheldon Richardson making it more solid. Uh, Garrett's going to get a lot more single teams, which he's going to need, and uh, they got Ogba on the block, who should draw them back something pretty good because he's on the last year of a rookie deal. So a lot of teams look to uh, get that last year of the rookie deal. Cue Bill Belichick. And really, sometimes it's just looking at the teams around you. It's not, you know, looking at these are the moves we made and we're better, we're worse. Looking, just looking at the division, we've got the Ravens, who we've already talked about, kind of going what we perceive to be in the opposite direction. Pittsburgh, of course, there's questions abound. We've got the Antonio Brown and um, uh, Le'Veon Bell and then the triple uh, killer bees basically being out of commission there. So there's, there's questions there. The Cincinnati Bengals really haven't done anything, anything significant at this point, and you're talking about the team that finished last in the division. So it looks like Cleveland's trending upward while everybody else in the division is trending downward. So I have to agree. Just based on that alone, you have to say that if they're not considerable contenders for an AFC crown, they're definitely contenders within their division because, again, to me it looks like every other team is trending in the opposite direction. No, I totally agree with you. They look like they're on the rise, and right now they may be the third best team in the AFC. And Amazing. That's, uh, um, it is to go from 16 to 3 in a year plus, but that's John Dorsey for you. He takes chances on players. He goes out there. He takes chances on trades and tries putting things together. You figure he put that thing together in Kansas City and left. And now he's doing it in Cleveland. And you got to give it up to Dorsey. We're going to look on the NFC side of the ball here real fast. We'll start in the East. Uh, really looking around, Cowboys, not big players here. I think the loss of Cole Beasley might be a little bigger than what people anticipate right now, the fact that he's now in Buffalo. I think that the strength of that uh, the team for Dallas in recent years has been the offensive line, and that's what's kind of trended in the opposite direction. It's been the defensive line, and now you've had some of those players that have contributed when they've been on the field, like David Irving, who apparently has, quote, walked away from football. You've got Randy Gregory suspended for what seems to be the 30th time. Doesn't seem like a warm fuzzy if you're a Dallas fan. Uh, are we in full re rebuild mode now with the Giants? Uh, it looks like Washington made some, some interesting additions. Philadelphia, I, uh, there's a lot of movement there. 
I think there's a lot of good and bad uh, from an Eagles standpoint looking at things. How do you kind of size up the NFC East right now? I think it might be, if you look at just from a division standpoint, it might be the division where we saw the most movements with, with, with four teams when you really look at everything. Yeah, no, it's all, you know, pretty much three out of the four making moves. Dallas losing Beasley, a couple of guys to the suspension. Um, they got to look long-term with Dak and Zeke and Amari Cooper, and they really don't have a lot of money. They weren't able to go out and get the guy they really wanted in Earl Thomas that we've been hearing about for a year and a half. So they seem to be uh, a little money-stricken and having to choose who they're going to pay. Uh, I think the Eagles look pretty good with d coming back and a little bit of movement along there. Uh, bringing in Malik Jackson, good run I stuffer. think aside from your team possibly fleecing us again, uh, you've got to like the Michael Bennett edition if uh, you're over in New England because, again, with the multitude of draft picks, you really got them on the cheap. Yeah, for 7.2 and Trey Flowers to walk, which really bothered me as a Patriot fan because he was just – like nobody knows anything about Trey Flowers. He's just a mysterious football player who doesn't get in trouble, doesn't say anything, and just – plays the game and makes plays at the biggest moments. And that uh, really bothered me to lose a guy like that. He's a coach's dream. And I think it's a great segue to the North because the Lions, talk about a team that could not be more tailor-made for as as far as signing Trey Flowers for a particular need. If you were to just look at the deficiencies of the Lions, drop the ultimate player that they needed on defense – I think you got a blueprint for Trey Flowers. I, I think that's you could not have struck gold more than what you did with that. He's the perfect player. And I, the combination of him and Snacks Harrison this year is going to be very interesting in uh, shutting down the run in Detroit. And to see where they go at eight, whether they go, you know, front seven again, and maybe a Devin White is available. They could move uh, Davis over to weak side linebacker and really – really bring the pressure with that front seven. Yeah, the linebacking core has been a bit of a mess. And, I, I you know, we've been going back and forth in our, in our mocks saying, do they go for that pass rushing specialist? Do they go for that that linebacker? Again, I think there's players that are more attractive than Devin White, and I, I made this point in the latest mock. But I think if you look at some of those top ten players or who should be available when he's there uh, at number eight for Detroit, I think he is the player with the least amount of baggage, and and you just want to hit a home run at number eight there with the acquisitions you made. I think he's the safest pick, and and a guy that can come in and pay immediate dividends. And I, I would put money on him being the front runner for the defensive rookie of the year going into next year. That that is just a team that sorely needs something and some consistency in the middle of the football field. And there was a guy we talked about our last podcast. Montez Sweet, who would be a good fit there, is the opposite side of Trey Flowers, his defensive end. He'd be a great fit. Absolutely. you got to wonder. Uh, he's a guy that keeps trending up, and now you got to wonder, is he even going to be the board at eight? He might have been, I think, since just before the combine process till now, he might be the fastest riser in, in day one to me. I think there are some – it's not – Putting it out, I, I'm, I'm hearing there are teams that prefer him over Josh Allen, that maybe Josh Allen's more of just a one-year wonder. 
Yeah, this is a guy who could who could now be going from a fringe first rounder to yeah, he's a guy we're going to see in the twenty to twenty five range. To now he's a guy we're going to see three through five. Uh, it's a it's a possibility to me. I think he's the fastest riser on the board at this moment. No, even the, the Jets will be making no mistake to play him as a three four outside linebacker because he has that kind of athletic ability and those arms. Just how long they are, just how. He's going to keep tackles off him and just make his move. And, yeah, just that arm left the load and it's just a turn on. And staying within the uh, NFC North, uh, you, we did talk about the Packers. They go out. They address a couple of people along the end. Amos is a great pickup. But to me, I still think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the secondary. If you look at maybe the last three to four years, I cannot think of an NFL team that's been decimated by injuries more in the back of their defense than the Packers. Uh, I don't know if it's something in the water there. Someone has a voodoo doll curse on them. They just seem to get hurt every year. So if I'm a Packer fan, I can't ignore what's happened, and I want to build some depth at the back of my defense. So I think that they're still possibly looking for, you know, cornerback and safety help early and often. What do you do with those two picks there? And, of course, the playmaking tight end, when you're picking at 30, there might be one off the board, maybe two. I still think there's a chance that maybe they get a tight end there because once the – that seems to be the, the – to me, when I look at it, that might be the position this year. We always see a position where there's a run, per se. I think when we see those first couple tight ends go, it could be – my money right now would be on tight end being the position we see a run on, buddy. I don't, is there any uh, – talk maybe a little bit about the Packers, and if you had to make a guess, maybe a position we'll see a run on, is there one that you see? I'm betting on tight end. No, tight end is a good guess. Um, I think finally maybe when a corner goes, you may see the other two go pretty quickly. And that I'm talking about uh, – Murphy, Baker, and uh, Greedy. Uh, you know, once a team finally picks one, the other two may come off. And if that's considered a run, I would say, yeah, that's the other position. I can't disagree with that. I think to me, the cornerback to me seems like, oh, nobody's off the board yet. Oh, I can trade back. And, oh, there's still like two or three of these guys that are on the board. I can get my pick. Because really, is there a clear-cut number one? I think really this might be the position where they're still kind of duking it out. It's going to come down to team interviews and individual workouts. There's really not a clear number one. Or you talk to teams, you're talking to 10 different teams, and you're probably getting five, six different answers or or reasons why. You're probably getting 10. That might be, uh, to me, until we see that number one, I think there's a good possibility of of what you're saying coming to, to fruition. But I think right now that's the the player the, the position where they're like, ah, we can wait around. We'll trade back. But you're right. Once they start to go, I think it's going to be later than what we expect, but then it could definitely be shotgunned. Uh, I can definitely see that scenario. Yeah, no, and it's, it's basically three different styles and three different type of players. So what fits your need is going to be who goes first, and then after that, you know, it'll be – picking the other two guys and figuring it out, whether you like the guy who can play in the slot too and Byron Murphy, or you're looking for that outside speedy guy in Greedy Williams or more of the ball hawk in, uh, in DeAndre Baker. 
So, you know, styles make fights, and that's the way it's going to be. And then looking at the NFC South, maybe the quietest division, if I were to say. Uh, I mean, obviously there's some movement here, but I don't know if any real team is kind of standing above and beyond anyone else. Is there a team that you see kind of moving to the forefront in the offseason in the NFC South? Uh, not really. Everything kind of stands status quo. Um, Malcolm Brown finally agree. went to New Orleans today. Uh, so they grabbed the defensive lineman to help out. They had to play a line uh, alongside Ty Davidson. And out West, I think the big question, it's all going to come down to number one overall, Kyler Murray. Is he indeed going to the Cardinals? I wouldn't say it's still definite, but uh, the signs are, the signs are, are more and more there that uh, this is, at least a viable option. And I think that the, the dominoes kind of fall into place once that happens. Seattle seems to ignore the need for offensive linemen every year. So, I don't know, maybe the Niners with a couple of the moves they made and, and the fact that they're picking it too, there's a big impact here. But I think it's really going to come out to that number one overall pick because we've got Arizona and we've got San Francisco. So the top two picks overall are coming from this division. Yeah, and the other thing to look for is if the Raiders, like Murray and the Cardinals, are you know can get a haul for the number one pick and keep Rosen and you know fill two or three holes in the first round, taking those draft picks away from the Raiders. Uh, very curious how that's going to turn out. I really, to me, it's just got the feel. A team that always overspends or looking to make that run at quarterback, even though they've already done it. And taking Case Keenum, Washington, uh, I can see them being a team that would they just give up too much all the time, that they become enamored with Kyler Murray saying, look, Keenum's going to be a short-term solution. We don't know what the future holds for Alex Smith. Could you see a scenario where Josh Rosen actually winds up in Washington? To me, I think it's kind of the sleeper team that we don't talk about enough, but I, I think it's – very, very possible that Josh Rosen winds up in a Redskin uniform. That sounds totally like a Daniel Snyder move, where he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and makes <laughs> a move like that. Bidding against himself, kind of like you said the Jets were with Le'Veon Bell. I definitely see that. So if you were to, I'd say, kind of look over some of these teams, maybe some teams we didn't talk about, what are some of the other pressing needs you see Maybe in the AFC East, what what do you kind of see playing out here? Maybe some of the teams, some of the areas of need that either you think weren't addressed or now that we've seen these moves, it indicates this is the area where they're looking. Well, I want to see what Miami ends up doing with Teddy Bridgewater and Ryan Tannehill and how that ends up working out. Uh, for the Jets, I want to see how they fill in for that Anthony Barr uh, backing out last minute because I think that was a good fit for him. I've always thought he was a 3-4 outside linebacker playing in a 4-3. Uh, I like what the Bills have done. Uh, Mitch Morris is a really good signing. I, he's maybe my favorite center in the league. Uh, I thought that was a good pickup, and they just seem to be pick up good, high IQ players. Um, so I kind of like what the Bills have done. And uh, the Patriots have gone through the bargain basement uh, bin, 
at Walmart and they're pulling out guys nobody's ever heard of and you know, he's turning uh you know, Dairy Queen workers into Super Bowl MVPs. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh we'll we'll kinda of go division by division here. I'll 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 do the East as well on the NFC side. Me for the Cowboys, I I still think this team is really looking for an identity. They seem to be different every year. The fact that I think this is the year whether there's a couple of big decisions. Is Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott really the long-term answers for this team? I think this is the year we find it out. So I think that it's a big year for Dallas. I think they want to get back to having that dominant offensive line. And I think we've kind of seen the shift to defense. And, you know, Leighton Vander Esch was a great pickup, and we've seen Jalen Smith able to contribute. And so many you know, they really got back to the top with this offensive line, and it was a, a kind of a stopgap defense. And now it's kind of the tables have turned. So I think Dallas has got to get a little bit of uh, offensive identity. Uh, in Philadelphia, I think kind of same thing. This has got to be Carson's year that he really takes the team. You don't have that blanket anymore. And, and Nick Foles, who gets a great deal in Jacksonville, uh, I think there are weapons around. Uh, I think it's a uh, there's there's some stop gaps. I think they're kind of grooming some players to kind of take over in the long run, but I still think they're competitive going into this year. Probably the early favorites to take the division, but it, it's wide open. And with with the Giants, you know that we they've been so hesitant to use that rebuild word, but with the trading of, of OBJ now, I think maybe that signifies that it, that it's happening. Do they finally go for that quarterback? And Washington, uh, who knows? There, there's just a lot of questions there. Landon Collins, you know, great player. I just don't think there's a lot around him. So, but, but it is good because I think that they do need a defensive leader, a presence there, and I think Landon Collins can bring that. It's now, does he have enough weapons around him? And, and you got to worry about that offense. I think that. They've got the makings of a good defense there, but if, if that offense can't stay on the field, they're just going to get dead tired, and, and I think that they could get overcome very quickly. The Alabama Crimson Skins? <laughs> That's true. It is turning into that. And, uh, again, uh, as far as the AFC North, we talked a little bit about that, but what's your overall take or assessment now as these teams are moving forward? Where do you think they're going to – where do you think they look? Uh, I think starting with the team that was at the top last year, the Ravens, uh, I'd be looking for a big-bodied receiver with a good catch radius who's going to catch Lamar Jackson's mistakes. I think that's important to them. they got to fill that leadership void of C.J. Mosley in the middle and Terrell Suggs outside. Um, so they're going to be they're going to be looking early on in this draft. I believe they have four of the top. 102 picked, so they really got to hit home runs uh, to fill these needs. Uh, you and can see the first, first they signed. Yeah, first year without Ozzy is going to be different too. That is a that's a great point. Uh, we talked about Cleveland already. Uh, Pittsburgh, Moncrief brought in. How does James Washington develop? Is Juju a real number one? Uh, we got to see that, and they. They really wasted money on Stevie Nelson. Three years, $25 million from the Chiefs. I mean, you grab a guy from the worst pass defense last year, 
and make him a starter, that's not very good. So they threw away money where they already have $21 million tied up in a guy who isn't even on their roster. And Cincinnati, I don't even know what to say for them. They're kind of just there and seem to be on a downward slide. Green's getting older. Dalton's getting older. They get some good front seven players, but outside of that, you know, they're, they're, they're not really going to be a factor. Uh, what do you think of the uh, NFC North? That, well, well, and just real quickly with Cincinnati, there's a one team at 11 there that people are kind of sleeping on. If there's one team that I think could pull the surprise or maybe overpay for a quarterback, do they start looking beyond Andy Dalton? I would not be that surprised. It could be the Bengals that end up shocking everyone and doing some kind of crazy move where they're going to wind up taking a quarterback. Apparently they really, really like Dwayne Haskins. So the possibility is there that maybe look if they look for that uh, in-state product, uh, the Ohio State guy, and really kind of overpay for him and make a bold move up the, up the draft order. Uh, they just seem to be too quiet. Uh, they kind of scare me. I, I don't trust them. Something's, something's a brew there in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, I just always I, think I, they're asleep at the wheel and cheap, so – <laughs> uh, as far as the NFC North, I really think this is the year. It's really about the Packers. They get that pass rushing. Uh, they, they they look for a couple of pass rushing guys they bring in, as we've talked about. But, again, the move that we saw during the, the season last year, Mike McCarthy's out. This is it's, it's win now or, you know, what's the excuse now with Aaron Rodgers? So I think they're really – in mode now to we got to make something happen. We got to bring the excitement back. I think they're looking to make a move. Minnesota, I still think they're trying to legitimize what they did last year for Kirk Cousins and the fact that he's worth the obscene contract that they gave him. Detroit, I, I think they're moving in the right direction, but there's just such a gap between them and the other teams in the division. Chicago's just kind of lurking there. I, I just think they gained a lot of valuable experience. I still think they're the, they're the team to beat overall because I don't quite trust that Green Bay is all the way there yet. So I, I think Chicago is just getting better, and I would not be surprised if they're the team that actually comes out of the NFC this year. Well, I like hearing that. So uh, going to, to the, the AFC South. Yep, we haven't heard a lot about Indy, and they have a lot of money. I saw Jay Ajaye was visiting there. I'm not sure really sure it's that much of a need. They did uh, – uh, why am I blanking on name? Wide receiver from Carolina to a one-year, ten million dollar deal. Ah, uh, Devin. Devin Funches. Devin Funches uh, brought in, which is a good deal because you get the money back next year. You're not really paying over time and a bonus if the guy doesn't work out. So it is a good idea, maybe to just overpay him for one year to be that second receiver to T. Y. Hilton. Um, yeah, I expect them to. Do a little bit more. There's got to be some pieces they're going to grab. They can't just be holding on to that money until next year. Um, Houston, curious. They, you know, there was talk that they did shop Clowney yesterday, and there was an AFC East team, uh, the Jets, interested in them. So we'll see about that. And uh, the Jaguars with Foles. And I just want to see, you know, 
with the defense they already had in place, with Foles at quarterback and the weapons they have, if they can regain back to two years ago to where they were, and that last year was the you the anomaly and not the regularity. Yeah, I think with a steady running game, they can get back there again. Uh, it's too much money, I think, for, for Foles, but at the same time, they had to make be bold, make a move. It's an obvious improvement. Um, I think uh, I don't think uh, Nick Folds is the, you know, savior, but he is. He's a lot better than what they had, and he can put together some some great games and great stretches. But I think he needs that stable running game around him. So I think that remains to be seen. And I don't know. I haven't heard this, but the more I think about it, tell me if I'm crazy here, buddy, or if this is some kind of conspiracy theory. Devin Funches, first two years at Michigan, he's primarily a tight end. Really liked him as a tight end prospect. They moved him to wide receiver. He then came out early, has been wide receiver the whole time at Carolina. He plays most of the time around 225, 230. The propensity for using the tight end there in Indianapolis, the fact that they've gotten rid of a few bodies there, if they maybe go for another receiver or two, is it is it weird to maybe line him up at tight end or maybe think about him there, or do you think he's locked in at receiver? I think right now he's locked in at two because they have Doyle and Ebron and uh, that Cox kid, the uh, volleyball player, I believe it was. Yeah, I, I, you know who I, I'm talking about, the third tight end there. Yeah, and I still think that it's – it makes sense to keep him at receiver, but I don't know. I just think he's kind of always missed his calling, and I've wanted to see what he can do at the NFL level at a tight end. Um, I don't know. I, I just haven't really – I never really liked the fit in Carolina. Maybe now we get to find out, is it him or was it really the system he was in? So I'll go to the NFC South. Uh, I, you know, I thought everything was lined up in the beginning of the season for Atlanta last year. I really did. The bounce-back year, easier schedule. Can they do it again? I mean, Matt Ryan didn't have a particularly bad year. Julio Jones wasn't finding the end zone early on, but he, he got onto a, a hot stretch at the end of the year. They were just decimated by injury so much. I think there's a team that everybody kind of sleeps on but is ready to rise from the ashes. It could be Atlanta because I, I, I'm, not, I'm just not feeling it with Carolina yet. Tampa Bay is just too far away. Can the Saints, have they, have they missed the window? And if they've missed the window, I think Atlanta's the perfect team to kind of swoop in and kind of uh, swoop in. Huh, pardon the pun. Didn't that was very that. good. That was very good. <laughs> it, was, it was unintentional. I, I wish I could take credit for it. But I think that maybe they're the team that really ends up surprising a lot of people in the NFC. I think it's kind of lined up that they can stay healthy. Atlanta, boy, they were just really, really hit hard. Uh, especially on the, the defensive side at linebacker along the offensive line. They had a couple, couple injuries early on that they just never seemed to kind of get over the hump with. Yeah, no, and the other thing was there's a lot of guys on that team playing for contracts coming up. So you could see a lot of guys making the push to make money and the franchise could benefit out of that because they're not going to be able to keep everybody that they've drafted in the last three years. Absolutely. Where we're going to bring this on home uh, with the AFC West, I'll take the NFC West after. So what what are you seeing out of the AFC West at this point? Well, we talked about the Raiders, the two receivers, LaMarcus Joyner, Trent Brown, uh, and those draft picks being able to fill maybe three holes 
on the defense or a tight end and two defensive players, but they're definitely going to be able to improve and be able to find that edge guy in a draft that has a lot of good edge players. Uh, Denver grabbed James, uh, Kevin Johnson to play that corner, but I think they probably need better quality than that or a, a slot corner. Maybe if they do trade back, a guy like Byron Murphy would be a good fit there. Um, going to Kansas City, anything to help the switch from the 3-4 to the 4-3 defense? They're going to need defensive ends. Now that Ford and Houston are both gone, uh, Chris Jones will play inside, so they're going to need to uh, revamp that defense, and Steve Nelson was their number one corner, not that he's a real number one corner. But if they grab Ronald Darby in free agency and uh, find a rookie to play opposite him, they really could shore things up. And, and along I'm trying with to remember, the, uh, the Honey Hyde Badger. Was, Carlos Hyde ended up there too as well, correct? Yep, Carlos Hyde is the back there. Damian Williams. I think Karen Durst West is still there. And uh, the last team, the Chargers, uh, I saw that they finally brought in a decent backup in Tyrod Taylor because it, it was looking iffy if anything ever happened to Phillip Rivers. They were going to run out. Uh Cardell Jones out there is the number two quarterback, and that's a scary thought for an NFL team. Uh, they did lose Tyrell Williams. Uh, they've added some depth at linebacker. They should continue with that. Thomas Davis is there now. Uh, if if I'm the Chargers, I'm looking for a big guy in the middle to free up my edge rushers. And, yeah, I hit all four teams there. Yeah, agreed. I'm – that's to me. That's that's all kind of the wild card in the NFC, and I'm I'm. Even though Joe Flacco was brought in, I still think there's a possibility Drew Locke goes there. They're looking quarterback. I I don't think it's done. It's just a revolving door there in Denver. That maybe Flacco is just kind of a short term solution, a stopgap. It seems like it's been nothing but stopgap since Peyton Manning, but that they're still looking for that guy. So I, I just because. Flacco was brought in. I don't think people have to think, oh, well, they're not looking quarterback anymore. I, I think that that's kind of an incorrect thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think in the NFC, uh, in the NFC West, I should say, Seattle, you know, they, they've got to address both lines, really, uh, to me, offense and defense. A lot of talk about a tight end, which maybe they go because at 21, there's a very, very good chance that there's no tight ends off the board, or teams knowing that, again, we talked about the run, does somebody trade in front to kind of get a a tight end and maybe get Hawkinson or Font or uh, maybe even Irv Smith Jr. One of those guys uh, to maybe kind of jump in front of the the Seahawks because maybe the Seahawks are looking there. I I really got to like San Francisco, though. I I still think that they they have something. They had all the momentum going into last year, and, of course, the Jimmy G injury seemed to derail things. But I I still like the overall direction of the team. At number two, they're getting an impact player. Everyone's assuming this is going to be Nick Bosa, and and that would be just fantastic. Even if it's a player like Josh Allen or uh, even Quinn and Williams, it's still going to be a a huge upgrade. And the the Cardinals, they're a couple years away. So, uh, uh, and and of course the Rams, you know, the, they've been so cash strapped. There's been talking about who's who survives the cut there. 
But I, I think there's a little bit of shell shocking. I really got to wonder if Jared Goff can kind of shake off that performance. Some of the questions we saw about Todd Gurley uh, and, and his use late in the season, in the playoff run, the injury. I think there's a lot of questions on the Rams. I, I think this is kind of a wide-open division. No, there's a possibility of seeing some leaping around. Um, yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. It's a wide-open division. And just so you know, Teddy Bridgewater went back to the Saints. Yeah, and that, that's really – I think that's really just saying, look, I mean, when Drew Brees signed that contract, there was some talk that there was uh, – is he or is he not – Maybe some second guessing. Is he going to Anthony Barr this? I guess Anthony Barr. It's now Anthony Barr, and not Josh McDaniels anymore. That's the new vernacular. Um, yes. Which worked out for Indy anyway. So uh, I, I really just feel that overall, it's, it's that that really to me screams Drew Brees. That that contract extension before last year was two years. He seems to be a stand-up guy. I think he's like, look, it's. This is this is the make or break year. I think maybe this is the year he walks away. He got a lot of the the accolades and the records. I think it's it's just one more push for a championship. But to me, I think that signifies them. Someone in the front office telling Teddy, "Look, stick around for another year. You've got a lot more toys to play with here than if you go to Miami or, or somewhere else." Yep. No, that that does make a lot of sense. And now it's a matter of Miami finding that quarterback. Well, as always, this has been a great, great podcast, and we're going to be back at it very, very soon. Uh, Mock Draft 21.0 will probably be up uh, at that point. Any last kind of thoughts you uh, you want to add or any anything you want to tell the readers to look forward to there, buddy? No, just banging away at scouting reports. Really hit tight ends and linebackers hard. Uh, going to go back through the offensive line and, and uh, running backs, but trying to keep up with you, but uh, – there's a lot of reports up there, and uh, between us, we got uh, team previews up and what teams need, and we're both hitting the uh, the radio circuit hard, too, so you hear us out there. Absolutely. I know you've been doing a lot of great work there. Uh, I have a spot coming up in Atlanta, coming up here soon, weekly run that's been going on in Wisconsin, some Baltimore work. Tell some of the people out there where they, where they might find you as well, buddy, because you're doing some great work for us and, and, and in a multitude of different areas? Uh, between Baltimore, Denver, and Atlanta. So it's nice to be in three NFL cities. And just the more we can get the word of draft side out, the better we all are. Well, you heard it there. Please check out everything Buddy's got to offer. There's some great stuff being posted there. We'll come back at you soon, everyone. Have a great, uh, I was going to say, you know, off-season, or if there is no off-season. We're only six weeks away. Uh, it's it's really getting interesting. The nitty-gritty is about to start. It's going to be more about uh, individual uh, college pro kind of workouts at this point and those team interviews, so you'll be able to find the information on DraftSite. But for Buddy, I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you soon.